Fables podcast. Real life fables. Yeah. And well, Omar came up with the name, so yeah. I'll let you explain the name. Well, it's uh, <laughs> every time I answer this question, it comes out differently. I know. <laughs> um, so, real life fables is basically it's an oxymoron, right? It's uh, everybody's life is uh, subjective, it's uh, yours, you know, and no one else's. It's how you perceive life. So in a way, it's your story. It's a fable. And you're very familiar with storytelling, right? So there is no truth. It's just a bunch of stories. Everybody brings their own story to the table. And so when I thought of a podcast, I thought, you know, what would be the name of a podcast that would allow uh, the people that come um, into it to basically just talk about their passion and what they're about, and hence the name. So you're Edward. And how do you pronounce your last name? Duel. Okay, dual. Okay, yep. cool. Um, so uh, we're very happy to have you. Happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm like, I know how busy you are, so this yeah. means a lot to me. And I was <laughs> telling him tonight, it feels like I've come full circle because when I first moved to San Diego, uh, the Story Consortium mm-hmm. was like the first thing that I got involved with. And it's, I mean, gosh, I haven't seen you in so long and so much has happened. It's been a long you, time. God, you were like, you were like, you were still doing the tourist work yeah. back when I first met you. Now you're like, you got, so can we start with an update as to like everything you have going on? Well, um, yeah, I got a lot going on. <laughs> I am facilitating a lot of combo ceremonies. Combo's the uh, Amazonian frog medicine that's a, um, a very, it's it's it is in my opinion the most complete and effective cleanse that nature has to offer on a physical, mental, and emotional level, and that has become a, a huge focus in my life is uh, offering that medicine to people and finding myself with teachers and in situations where I can learn more and more and more to be the best facilitator that I can with that. I I just got off of a three-day retreat uh, called Emergence. It was a full moon retreat out at a local retreat center called Liberty Advance uh, where we did three combo ceremonies in a row. And I mean, the breakthroughs, it, you know, it's, it's not as surprising to me when I get people in with chronic Lyme's or arthritis or even cancer, these very, very palpable physical ailments. Um, I'm, I'm always pleased, but not necessarily like surprised when combo helps them because i i just know that it does and it's scientifically verifiable what continues to just put a huge smile on my face and amaze me is the absolutely profound and inexplicable emotional breakthroughs that this can usher in um i had a couple of people who i know just don't cry and one gentleman who admittedly hadn't cried in probably 18 years over the weekend just just the floodgates open up and it all comes out and they end walk away feeling a lot different. So, so I've been doing a lot of, of that combos really become a huge part of my life since back since I was doing the story consortium all the time, which I am still doing just not quite like I was back in the day. 
I definitely want to come back to the combo. I, I actually have a personal question for you about that. But um, what I want to know what else is going on. Where are you living? Are you still over uh, in uh, North Park? Yeah, I live. I haven't moved in like five years almost. Because I know you're traveling a lot, so I didn't know if you... Yeah, I'm I'm still living there. I got cheap rent in North Park, which is, you know, that's like a pink elephant. It's pretty hard to find. Yeah, <laughs> so, same thing with this place. Yeah, I live with my brother still. We're still super, super tight. And um, I, I'm now transitioning into actually living at this retreat center an hour outside of San Diego oh. a little bit more. Um, it's called Liberty Advance, and they've been a yoga school and a spiritual center for about 25 years, and they're now starting to take on residence, which oh. is a role that I was accepted for about a year ago. And I just, life happens and I just wasn't making the time to be out there that much. Mm. Um, and after this last retreat there, I was like, so, I got to be there more. Is that turning into a, some intentional community of sorts? Or? It definitely is an intentional community for okay. sure. Um, it's there. Yeah, it's four people out there now that are the main people, and then I'm I'm kind of back and forth. Um, it's 165 acres. Wow. It's been there for 25 years already. It's well-established. 165? 165 acres. They have a huge, um, huge house with their yoga practice room alone is 1,000 square feet. Wow. Um, you know, hot tubs, pool, the whole, the whole nine, and they... They were primarily just a yoga school, like an ashram, basically, where people would go there and, and live for sometimes years. And then they transitioned out of that and went through this dormancy for about seven years. And now they're, they're really opening back up into a, a healing space and a spiritual center. So it feels like the right time to get on board. And, and they, they've welcomed me with open arms. So I'll be out there about two, three days a week from now on. That's excellent. What else? I know that you're, uh, so you're doing storytelling. Yep. Uh, combo. Is that what it's? How do you combo. Pronounce? Combo. Yeah. K-A-M-B-O. Combo in the Amazon. Sometimes Cambo in the Cambo. United States. <laughs> but yeah. Cambo. Cambo. Yeah. Um, you also do a lot of men's work. Doing and the men's work. Brothers United is yeah. going strong. That's been. Uh, yeah. You still host that at your place? No, we do it at um, my mentor in the Native American church. We call him Uncle David. We do it in his backyard. Yeah. The um, Brothers United, well, it wasn't called Brothers United then. It was just a little tiny men's group that a buddy of mine was running. And I went to one meeting and it was yeah. so significant for me that I was like, this thing needs to keep going. Yeah. And it was just a call that I answered. I, I knew that I wanted to keep it going because yeah. I didn't think anybody else would. And I did. And it was, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing when I first started that council. I just figured we'd get around and talk. And then I started to get into the art of council, which I mean, a form of council, which is a talking circle exists in pretty much every indigenous culture throughout the entire world. That is one of the commonalities. Um, yeah. And it's something that we are missing in this world. And I'd already been doing the story consortium for so long that I saw all these common elements of yeah. it's just so crucially important for yeah. people to be heard and to be seen mm. and to have this space to connect with other people and to provide a space in which listening is emphasized and and taught and modeled in a in a way that I believe to be accessible and heartfelt um and it's it's magical. It's yeah. totally magical. Um, and so 
I got deeper into the art and craft of council, and I actually started going up to the Ojai Foundation in Ojai, oh, California, okay. and taking pretty intensive trainings on how yeah. to facilitate council. Um, and then it was a natural marriage. I started sitting with yeah. the Native American Church and sweat lodges kind of a lot, and yeah. we kind of became allies. That's something that I want to try soon, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I I came to uh, a couple of your uh, men's councils or uh, meetups, and um, it was through yourself, Nicole. Thank you for connecting me with Edward. And then, um, just out of the blue, like we also connected on a different in a different place to the, the nonviolent, nonviolent communication, communication class. Yeah. Cool. So I'm like, I'm getting to see you a lot these days and I'm kind of glad for it because I feel like you're definitely on the same wavelength and you're doing like a lot of really cool stuff that aligns. Um, so um, you're definitely keeping busy. Um, go ahead. What do you want to say? So um, yeah. I know I really wanted to ask you about because uh, the last time I talked to you, you were like, getting ready to go down to South America for a long time yeah. and do some study with some shamans or you went to Mongolia or I did both. You did both. Then yeah. you came back and then you, I can't keep up with your travels, <laughs> but I know that you have in my understanding been working with a lot of shamans or studying with a lot of shamans. Uh, anyways, I was just wondering if we could hear about the work you've been doing outside of the country to advance your knowledge and skill. Well, I went to Mongolia last August, and that was to, um, I, st I don't want to go so far as to say study, because it perhaps implies that I was actually sitting on down one-on-one -on -one with these people. I think observe and participate with would be a better description, um, but I did go to Mongolia for three weeks, and we got, it was a shamanic tour, um, we got very, very deep into Inner Mongolia. Like, like we were on horseback for a couple of days. We were that deep. It was as remote as I've ever been in my life. And making contact with different tribes and specifically with this one tribe called the Reindeer People who are, they're amazing. If you check out the documentary, The Horse Boy, um, they're the okay. tribe that's featured in that documentary. And we got to sit in some of their shamanic rituals. And it was a lot of self-study um, and just being with that land where, where shamanism really lives and breathes in Mongolia like no other place I've ever seen. How did you find them? Um, actually, a, a medicine, an ayahuasca facilitator that I've okay. worked with uh, set up the trip, and I was like, there's no way I'm not going to Mongolia if I have the opportunity. Like, I'll right. find the money. I'll make this happen. So yeah. did Myanmar. We went over to Myanmar and went to China for a couple of days, and then went to Mongolia and then I, I immediately came back and went right to Burning Man, which was awesome. Oh <laughs> which was like, ah. yeah, yes. that was fun. So I don't know if Omar knows, but Edward, like you had like five to seven years of just straight traveling or something like that when you were younger, didn't you? Like yeah. you, what, what's the term? You were kind of, you were a nomad for I was, quite I was a, vagabond, a while. Yeah, from the yeah. age of, 18 until I was 31. Yeah, that's I was basically, I mean, I wasn't on yeah. the road the entire yeah. time, but I was on the road probably 70% of the time. Okay. Um, I just, yeah, it was, I did everything humanly possible to keep traveling, and that mm. mostly included uh, living 
like a hobo with a backpack and and thank god i always had mom's house to go back to you must have a wealth of stories oh yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you want to share maybe one or two oh gosh what do you think nicole oh my gosh i just i know i've heard so many of your stories already and i just know like there's so many rich ones in there but um how about a story regarding what inspired you to kind of settle down a little bit after all those years of traveling? Cause it's a huge change. Um, it lost the mystery. It lost the mystery. I, I found myself in India and I was with a very good friend of mine who's, who still lives in San Diego and he hadn't been out there quite as long as I had and stuff that was blowing his mind. I was barely noticing and I realized that it's almost like taking advantage of it. Like I had just been out there for so long that it was my default state of being and living. I was very, I didn't have a home really. I just, I would live work in Alaska all summer. I'd work my ass off for five months. I'd travel for the rest of the year. And I just kept doing that and doing that and doing that. And before that I was teaching English in Asia. And before that it was South America. Like it's just, I just got very, very used to it. And I got very comfortable. I think I saw there. something on Facebook about you, like riding an ostrich. You were like an <laughs> ostrich tamer. That was, in, like that. that was in South Africa. Yeah. That was, uh, in 2000. <laughs> I mean, in 2009, two buddies and I drove from South Africa to Ethiopia, like doing, like just snaking up the entire way we did, uh, 14,000 miles, 15 countries. Like that was the most insane trip I've ever done in my life. So riding ostriches was, was really cool, but it was actually one of the least crazy things that we did on that trip. It got so nuts. I, 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 okay. I actually have a question. So, so just so the audience knows, uh, when I first met Edward, it was, he does or has an organization called the Story Consortium where he does uh, storytelling events where each each night is a different theme and all who come have the chance to go up and tell a story that somehow ties into that theme. True stories, five minutes long-ish. And I was really into storytelling at the time. Uh, started off as for entertainment purposes is why I was into it. But then your event became a huge part of my healing experience since I've been here in San Diego. And I'm wondering um, if you could talk about a moment or experience pertaining to uh, the story consortium that really stands out for you as the reason why you do this work. Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, the There's a couple of shows that are like highlights with the Story Consortium, which I've been doing for, it. I mean, we're pushing four years now, actually. It's been a while. We took a little hiatus and now we're back. Um, the, the one show that really, really, really stands out was the Father's Day show. I did a Mother's Day show and a Father's Day show. And... The I can't really talk about the Father's Day show without talking about the Mother's Day show. Okay. Um, the and the, the themes were pretty simple: mom and dad. And the Mother's Day show, the because there's there's usually there'll be a theme, right? the The theme of the the last show was um, 
life, death, rebirth. And underneath that theme with the anywhere from eight to 10 storytellers that take the stage, there'll be themes in all of the stories that that kind of thread through. And that happens completely organically. And it's one of my favorite things about storytelling shows is, Nothing's planned. It yeah. just it just happens. That's how it works. Um, it's it's just kismet. It's synchronicity. Um, the theme of the Mother's Day show was largely um, selflessness, uh, compassion. I would say service, and and these were not all stories like my mom was a saint and I totally loved her. Like some of the stories were like, no, I had a pretty difficult relationship with my mom actually. But that was the overwhelming theme. Was this theme of selflessness and service and sacrifice and the theme of the father's day show was neglect abuse and trauma Uh, and it i mean at the end of the show my shirt was covered in other people's tears hmm. i mean and covered to the point where it looked like i had been on a treadmill for an hour my shirt was literally soaking in other people's tears because they would get off of the stage and it was this moment where they're they're distraught and i'm at that point the facilitator and it was there's nothing to do but just hold them at that point until the next person comes up and and it was the the arc of the story consortium was super interesting i started it in a similar fashion that i started the men's council where i was like i love storytelling i'm gonna start this thing and we have a space like cool and it just turned into this like it 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 became as it became its own community, it became its own like group therapy. I mean, truly, I wish Omar I mean, had I'm going to go eventually. But I mean, really like, you, not just me, but so many other people I've talked to, you provided a space for people to come and obtain deep healing. It was, and, and that was like never really my intention. Mm. It's just what it turned into. Mm. And. Um, and for me as the facilitator, like I was really getting pretty heavily into plant medicine at that point and also going through my Reiki practitioner training and my Mm -hmm. theta practitioner training and starting to work on clients as an energy healer and starting Mm -hmm. to do all these things. And I started to notice these parallels where I'm standing in the back and I'm like, this is no longer just a storytelling show. This is a ceremony right Mm -hmm. now. And this person telling the story is going through an alchemical transformative process of letting go and being born again right now. And this energy needs to be held down. And I'm the one that's, I got to do it. Like it's, this is my show. So it, it really turned into that. And it's, I'm interested to see where it continues to go. But you know, that, that father's day show was, unbelievable i mean a woman brought her father's ashes to the show she put down a beautiful ornate box she told me what she was doing um and this was a woman who had come into the story consortium as she's hilarious as just a hilarious human being telling really really funny stories and she kept showing up and she kept showing up and the stories got less funny but more intimate and more real Mm. and then it got to this father's day show and she told me she's like hey i brought my father's ashes i want to tell this story i need to do this and i was like yeah of course and it was a beautiful ornate box but it it wasn't 
you wouldn't have known what was in it. It yeah. was just a beautiful box. And she put it down on the table in front of the stage. And she told a story that would make anyone cry. And it was just this story about how she essentially ended up taking care of her abusive alcoholic father while he was dying because there was no one else who was willing to do it. And they had a terrible relationship Mm. and she had never told the story before. So it's like raw, raw. I mean, the story consortium was always raw, like raw, unrehearsed. We don't, I'm not looking for the practice storytellers. There's a million places for them to go. I want to, Provide a space in which your average everyday person can take ownership of their inner storyteller and begin to author their story rather than allowing their story to author them and dictate the way that they walk in the world in a negative way. Earl, I really want to note that topic for later on in the conversation because I um, think that that's a huge concept that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, we can talk about it. But Uh, but um, this woman, she told the story... And um, and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I mean, literally, the entire audience is crying. And at the end, she says, you know, like, these are my father's ashes, and I've been hanging on to them for over a year, and I haven't known what to do with them, and I'm going to drive up to Big Sur and spread them in the ocean this weekend, but I had to tell this story first. And to answer your question, your the long-winded yeah. answer to wrap it all up was, that moment especially yeah. sticks out of like, holy cow, this is way more than a storytelling show. Way, way more. Yeah. I totally have the chills right now because I completely relate to that. <laughs> um, so each time that I went up and did a story, uh, I, I think that one of the reasons I felt so drawn to storytelling is because I spent so much of my life feeling misunderstood And I had all these stories locked inside me that I just needed to get out. I'm the type of person who, if I don't talk about something, like it really becomes toxic inside me. And I constantly felt misjudged by people. And like, I always was in this mind space of, gosh, if if you only knew what I've been through, you'd understand why I do the things I do. Or I say the things I say. And... The Story Consortium, for the first time, gave me the opportunity to purge all that. And each time that I went up and told a story, it was as if I was releasing a block that had been inside me. And I moved on from that part of my life a little bit more each time. I mean, it truly was so therapeutic. So I really relate to the woman who uh, brought her dad's ashes and just cause she was like, I just need to, I, I need to tell this story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know I'm like totally hogging all the no, questions. No, 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 it's fine. It's cool. I mean, it's, it's all about I'm kind of like fangirling. This is like solid gold having Edward do a lot of But, um, okay. Well, we were talking about, you mentioned the concept of, you know, people don't understand how much of their life is dictated by the story that they keep telling. Mm -hmm. And to kind of bring it back to the combo and the personal, my personal experience of combo. um, 
you, when I worked with Iboga, it was actually through someone who you uh, suggested to me. And part of preparing for Iboga with this person, um, I had to do uh, four combo ceremonies within 48 hours. And after that, I microdosed with Iboga for six weeks. And the big, my big work during that six weeks, dictated by my facilitator, was changing my story. So it was for six weeks straight, mm. anytime that limiting belief popped up or that insecurity popped up or that inner critic popped up, I stopped it and turned it around. And and like, it kind of, maybe even like I, it sounds like I was suppressing it, but for six weeks straight, I intentionally changed my perspective and my thoughts each time I felt myself slipping into old limiting stories. Mm-hmm. And for the, for the first while, it felt weird and fake and inauthentic and mm-hmm. wrong. And by the end of that six weeks, I was a completely fucking different person. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect these days. Mm-hmm. I still fall into limiting beliefs and limiting stories, but I have the awareness now of what it is that I'm doing. And I have way more power over changing myself and my life than I once previously thought I had. Uh, so that's that's what you were talking about with the story consortium. If you could just elaborate more on the power of story and how that works within us. Well, I mean, you know, one of my favorite quotes is that we are made of stories because we are. Mm-hmm. Because if you really want to break it down, everything is a story. Exactly. I mean, literally everything Mm -hmm. is a story. That ties into the the name of our podcast. (laughs) I mean, really, Mm. you can totally create the world that you want and you can create heaven or hell. And limiting stories, in my opinion, um, the healthiest way that I've found of to look at them have been has been as beautiful providers of contrast and catalysts for growth Mm -hmm. they show me what it is in my best interest to look at and they show me where the next stage of my evolution lies Mm -hmm. i i i like to use a tool that i call the cage and the key and it's very very simple and it is simply that when i feel a little bit off or i feel essentially when i feel disconnected yeah because to me when i am at my best i feel totally connected and i feel totally present and when i'm not like that i feel that i'm in some sort of cage and the cage and the key is simply what is the cage made from what is the key made of and i can usually identify them and i feel like most people who have begun the walk of introspection and consciousness work and evolution can probably identify them pretty quickly. It usually doesn't take more than a couple minutes to be like, boom, that's the cage. That's the key. Then it's all about the willingness and the courage to turn the key and step out because, and in my work now with, I I do a lot of coaching now. I do the combo work. I'm doing the storytelling work. The energy work is that People go to great lengths to defend their limitations because their prisons, however limiting, mm. are can be nice and cozy. It's what's familiar. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, for the longest time. 
just relying over and over on the just all the victim stories you know from my childhood and and now I'm like just sick of it like anytime I start telling something or writing something about how you know oh poor Omar you know he suffered blah 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 I just I get sick inside like I'm I th- I'm just so ready to change my stories and I guess I'm at that point right now where I'm looking for new inspiration because it's not serving me anymore. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I love the, and these are things that work for me. I I love the concept of 100% responsibility. I take 100% responsibility for everything that has ever happened to me. What do you think of the idea Hmm. that, there's a there's a spiritual belief that not only are we responsible for everything we do in this life, but it even goes so far as to say that we opted into this life and the specific family that we are born into, we chose that before coming into this life. I completely believe that. Yeah. I completely believe that. I mean, and the issues that I dealt with as a young man, the, the absolute, the abandonment by my father, mm-hmm. the, I was molested by a babysitter when I was four years old, the, you know, the almost token stereotypical abusive stepfather figure, like all these things. Mm. It's about mining the gold from them. You, you, it's about mining the gold and knowing that I do believe that there, yeah, absolutely. The soul chooses to come back and experience certain things so that it can push forward the evolution, not only of the soul, but of the human consciousness in general. And you know, I, I'm really, really into this. Um, it's a, it's a stoic concept. Uh, Nietzsche talked about it. I believe Marcus Aurelius talked about it as well. And it's amor fati, which is love thy fate. And there's a two, I'm getting that actually tattooed on my left hand okay. and, and on my right arm, I have Tim shell, which is uh, Hebrew and it means thou mayest. And to me, that's the concept of free will thou mayest and love thy fate is this it's it's that balance between between fate and free will mm. you know you and it's just like loving what is and that 100% right. responsibility right. that that plays into it for me i mean i i believe that i don't know if it's everyone's quest but i know that it is a big part of my quest and that is sovereignty and that that is that that i I am the master, I am the captain of my ship, and right. in as much as I maybe perhaps cannot control the gale, right. the gale is a morfati, the gale is the universe, the right. gale is that Those life, things that happen that were happen. out of your control, exactly. but the responsibility part is no matter what happens, you are in control of your perspective. And we, we've seen it, we've seen this wise lesson be portrayed through very devastating experiences like Nelson Mandela is the very popular one. Someone who spent decades in prison and came out of it going, I have to change my perspective. I cannot let myself suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Victor Frankl has been a big influence on me. He wrote man's search for meaning. I mean, he was a Holocaust survivor saw the worst of the worst that humanity has to offer and came out of it with logotherapy, which is that, you know, it's, it's for me, I, I really, really believe that the crux of spirituality lies in that space that Viktor Frankl talks about in logotherapy. And that is the space between stimulus and response. 
Right. Mm-hmm. That stillness. Right. That that is sovereignty. That is freedom. That is the right. power to choose. That is the power to right. create the world. Right. And and right. I mean, Jesus, the world is a yeah. very uh, interesting place right now. And it's you know that was that was the point of the story consortium. That's the point of the men's council. That's the point of combo. That's a point of anything I do. Mm-hmm. Honestly, is to create more love yeah yeah because we need it so bad yeah. right now. so <laughs> i'd like to get into the combo and then after that kind of have you take over with the discussion of his men's work since okay. you're more involved with that than i am <laughs> um, i do want i just to finish this part off i know a lot of people who might listen to this don't necessarily identify as a spiritual person and they think that's woo-woo and they maybe even get a little annoyed by spirituality talk. So I always like to point out that there's a completely scientific way to look at this. So uh, going back to the idea that we we cho- our souls chose to come into this life, I actually don't even literally believe that. My beliefs don't lie in the literal terms that we use with spirituality talk. But when I view it through that lens, holy shit, do I feel a lot better. And our brains are designed in a way, so, you know, we're, our conscious minds are only taking, are only processing, sorry, let me rephrase that. We are only consciously aware of a very small percentage of everything that our brain is taking in, right? And our brains are designed in a way so as to point out what we're focusing on. So like when people talk about uh, like law of attraction exercises, I'm, I'm militant about law of attraction exercises, not because I literally believe I'm creating this invisible energy that's refracting back to me, but because of how the brain works. Mm. The more I focus my thoughts in abundant ways, the more I'm going to see all the abundance that is in front of me that I otherwise would not be picking up on because my brain has been trained to focus on other things. Um, So same with just perspective about what's happening to us in life. Just the more you specifically choose to think about things in a way that decrease suffering within you, the more you're going to see life that way. As you think, so shall you be. So, okay, combo. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, the last time I did combo was when I was preparing for Iboga, and I had a huge emotional breakthrough. But with all the times that I've done combo, I've never had that Superman effect that everyone talks about, that feeling of like, like, heightened energy and like you just physically feel amazing and you know like the 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 indigenous people would take it before they would go on these long three-week hunts and things like that and i'm wondering uh what your thoughts are about that and if you've worked with other people who have had similar experiences where they don't have that uh that extreme positive physical reaction that is well known with combo. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's every, every, everybody's different and everyone's body is different. Um, I, yeah, 
I mean, to answer your question, yeah, like, yeah, I've definitely worked with plenty of people who don't get that. I would say that, you know, the tribes who get that and who do that do combo all the time. Okay, I yeah, mean, they're covered sense. in hundreds of yeah. points of combo, you know. Um, so I think that that personally comes with a practice okay. of combo, which is not for everyone <laughs> at all. But I have had... It all depends. I mean, it's such a subjective thing, you know, like you can't put a script to it. It's like trying to put a script to, to ayahuasca. It's impossible. It's right, so subjective. Right. Um, but I have had people who, something I often do find is not necessarily people get the superhuman thing where, you know, their vision improves and they feel like they could wake up and skip breakfast and run a marathon. But what I do frequently see with people at least semi-frequently, is that for anywhere from three to five days afterwards, they're up at 4 or 4.30 in the morning, clear as a bell, ready to go, don't need coffee, going all day. I see that happening quite frequently. Um, and I've had, it, it. you know, it all depends. There's, I would say with every client I have, there's the 1 to 10 scale of combo. And 10 is you get mm. the hunting magic effect and you're like, Woo, 1 is herxing, which is, by viral and bacterial die off and you feel like you have the flu most people are anywhere between a six and an eight so what does it exactly do does it it rids of your body it rids your body of toxins or maybe you could like explain it in like the science behind it yeah, well yeah i mean so there's 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 nine powerhouse peptides in combo quote-unquote okay. powerhouse peptides um five of them are bioactive and what that means is that the body recognizes them as being so deeply beneficial that it drops its extraordinarily advanced defense system and allows them to break the blood-brain barrier. Well, Not that much goes through the blood-brain barrier. It is the body's job to protect the brain at all costs. So stuff will come in, including tons of pharmaceuticals and things that the Western medicine will prescribe as healing medicines, and the body's like, nope, send it back. The blood absorbs it combo these five peptides have this unique key that the body's like yep come on in mm. and because of that it gets into the deepest folds of the system uh it the two one of the um one of the peptides is called dermaseptin and there's dermaseptin b1 and dermaseptin b2 and they are particularly adept at killing what's known as enveloped viruses. And these are viruses that hide and they can hide for years and years and years in the system because nothing can get to them. Antibi uh, uh, antibiotic resistant strains, things like that. These really kind of clever viruses and bacteria combos the heavy artillery like wow. forget about it it's and it's it's nice for you non woo people out there. And that is honestly if I may say so, like kind of where I shine as a healer and as a practitioner is that I, I am good at talking to people who would laugh at most spiritual practices and, and, but they, but they know they need something. They know that yeah. what they've been doing is not working for right. them. And oftentimes with combo, I get people who have tried Western medicine to the nines and they're at the end of their damn rope and they heard about this crazy frog medicine thing and they're willing to give anything a shot. Yeah. And what it does a lot of the times is it opens up this whole door of like, oh, there's all this other stuff behind. And then usually to bring it back to a running theme, 
is people end up addressing their limiting belief systems, which is like, mm. I'm sorry, why is this? Cons- this That's is not, not spirituality. spirituality. Yeah, this is humanness. Yeah, yeah. We are here to be healthy and happy. <laughs> I believe it to be our birthright. And that is my whole thing with, I'm all about pragmatic spirituality, practical yeah, spirituality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is, what is this practice and what are these practices if they are not tools that are so palpable that we can literally grab them right. in certain situations and use them to help us to solve problems in our life right. and to navigate them. I mean, meditation is a tool. Breath work is a right. tool. Sweat lodges are a tool. These are tools. Combo is a tool. And part of the beauty of it is that, A, it is extraordinarily scientifically vi- yeah. verifiable. Yeah. The man who really first started studying combo, um, his name is uh, Vitraro Spromer. He's a researcher at the University of Rome. And he was nominated for the Nobel Prize for um, for discovering serotonin. I mean, very big name scientist. Yeah. And he called combo a fantastic peptide cocktail. There are over 70 pharmaceutical patents pending between the oh. USA and Europe to synthesize the peptides in combo. They've su- successfully synthesized at least one that I know of, but it's not it's just not it's the not same. Yeah. It's not the yeah, same and they're yeah, not getting yeah. all of these in combination with each other. So yeah. it cleanses physically the toxins that come out. I mean, it, it's it's unreal. I had a gentleman so, come down he uh, just a quick case like uh, he was literally bedridden for four months with Lyme's disease like Mm. in his bed twitching for five six hours a day Uh he came down he did three sessions with me three days later he was fine wow i mean it's that that palpable yeah it's amazing makes me want to try it so for those who don't know uh if you could explain the typical experience that happens when you go through combo and then i'd like to share a personal story about why that helped me so much well essentially it is um it's administered through burns in the skin they're called gates um the burning is the easy part actually um it's they're very very quick it's you know you just use a a little actually a vine from the amazon called timishi and it's just it's on your skin for a second you just want to get it down to the layer of lymph the combo itself is the secretion from a frog called the phalamedusae bicolor it is and it's ethically harvested i'm a member of the international association of combo practitioners this is legal medicine in every country in the world and we have a 501k nonprofit that employs 16 Matze's villages along the Amazon River Basin who ethically harvests the medicine. Mm-hmm. They're animists. They believe the frog has a spirit. They don't want to piss it off. Mm-hmm. And they take the secretion of the frog and they put it on a little piece of wood called a plank. And you reconstitute it with water, scrape it off with a knife. It turns into little points like wasabi almost. And you put those on the, on the gates. And for those of you listening out there who have never done combo before, um, make sure that you go to a practitioner that you trust. Make sure you go to a practitioner that is more than willing to answer all of your questions. Mm-hmm. Um, the IAKP is a great place to start. And make sure that if it is your first time, that your practitioner always offers you a test point. If it is your first time, you should never dive in with a full dose of combo. It is not safe. You should always have a medical intake and you should always have a test point. And that is where you receive one point of medicine and you sit with it for about 8 to 10 minutes to make sure that there's going to be no surprise contraindications and to see how strong it's going to be with your system. So if you 
if you it's it's extraordinarily important that this is practiced responsibly mm-hmm. and ethically and those are things that you want to you want to take off those yeah. boxes when you're looking for a practitioner so i mean while we're here uh why don't you just tell us uh, what is the name for your practice your own practice and where uh, can we find it i'm i mean i'm in san diego but i travel throughout the west coast and okay. the united states i'm 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 willing to travel obviously yeah. how can um, people find you www.cambofrog.com okay is my website um yeah i mean i'm i'm all over um and and or you can go to www.iakp.org that's the international association of combo practitioners and they have a directory of local listings so wow. the thing about the iakp and and there are good combo practitioners who are not in the iakp i'm not here to say that this is the only way that one can become a good combo practitioner however If you are going through an IAKP practitioner, you can be guaranteed that they have gone through an extraordinarily thorough and strenuous training process. It is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Mm. It's no joke. And they are really there to weed out the people who are not deadly serious about becoming a combo practitioner um so you you have a standard they're really had to held to a standard so excellent so uh can continue with uh what a person what the physical reactions that happen well after those dots are placed on yeah the dots are placed on um it usually comes on within five to 10 minutes, depending where it's placed on the body. You can do different treatments. You can do auricular treatments, meridian treatments, acupuncture treatments, marmot treatments, chakra treatments. So for me, it came, came on in seconds. Yeah. It, it all depends. Everybody's different, but the initial effects are rushing of energy through the entire body, flushing in the face, temperature rising, uh, swelling sometimes in the face, swelling sometimes in the throat, general sense of disorientation um it can be very very uncomfortable nausea usually ensues pretty quickly you have to drink two liters of water in 15 to 20 minutes before receiving the medicine um the idea being that you you want to purge that the water acts as a carrier agent for the toxins Mm -hmm. that the frog will pull out of the out of the system so it's it's uncomfortable. It's definitely not. It's fun. fucking intense. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll get into my story later, but it's 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 gnarly. There's no way around it. You know. However, it's to me that's part of the medicine. Is like combo is warrior medicine, and combo asks us to sit as warriors. It asks us to draw deep into the well of courage that every single person on this planet has and to be a very active participant in their own healing. And if you meet this stuff, if you sit up and you meet it and you do the work, you will be rewarded with glean the benefits that I cannot even explain. Combo is the great revealer and the great remover. It blows the dust off. It takes away excuses it removes obstacles. It purges toxins on every level, mental, spiritual, physical, emotional. It helps us to walk in step with the person that we were put on this planet to be. And it does it quickly. It's mm. incredible. And the entire process takes about 30 minutes. It's not that long. It's not that expensive, or at least it shouldn't be that expensive. Um, 
and it's accessible. Like it's hard, but it's accessible. It's not psychoactive. It's legal. There's a lot of things about mm. combo that are very, very attractive. Mm. The only part that is not attractive is that for a half an hour, you feel like you are just getting <laughs> so, held underwater by this thing. That Yeah, you summed up why combo helped me so much. Um so the first time I did it was in Spain. I did it three days and I did one session each day, three days in a row. And, um, but the, the profound combo experience I had, I think it was two summers ago when I was preparing for Iboga and I had to do four combo sessions within 48 hours while fasting. And you fasted the whole time. Uh, I would have a smoothie in the morning. Interesting. And that's it. So, um, for me, one of my big things was always just nothing I do is good enough. I never, I'm never working hard enough. I'm never succeeding enough. Nothing. I'm just always falling short of doing my best. Like I'm never performing at my best. And so I did, I do these four combo ceremonies and each time the dots are put on and instantly, um, my face starts swelling up. I feel like a burning sensation throughout my entire body. My throat starts closing up. I'm having a hard time breathing and like you said, you drink the two liters of water each time. I start getting nauseous and then I start puking my brains out and shitting my brains out. And I'm like this for 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, but at this point, I have done combo before. I've done ayahuasca many times. I know that you're just... For that, that entire 15 minutes, just one moment at a time, follow your breath. Because if you start getting lost in that loop of this sucks, you're going to fucking torture yourself. Mm. And you're going to, you're, you're just going to, you're going to constrict and block the flow of lesson that is supposed to be coming through. So I did that. And on my, during my third ceremony, the big theme was there was this physical feeling in the pit of my stomach that something was trying to come up and I, it, I, I couldn't get it to come up. I, I wasn't letting it come up and it, was, it just brought me back to that feeling of it's never enough. I'm always falling short of hitting the mark that I want to hit. And during the fourth ceremony, I felt that feeling and I just mentally visualized complete surrender. And all of a sudden, I like projectile vomit and that feeling just comes up with it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that ceremony, I've, no I've done now done four combo ceremonies within 48 hours while fasting. I laid on the ground and for probably the first time ever in my life, I felt like a fucking warrior. I felt like I not only did my best, but exceeded my best. I felt like I just A plus 100% did it perfectly. And for the first time, I was like, it was good enough. It was more than enough. And that feeling stayed with me 
I mean, it's, you know, it's a practice, but I, I just, I, that was just such a huge, profound moment of growth for me to just spend my whole life feeling like nothing I ever did was good enough. And finally to get the fuck over that story mm. and bringing it back to what you said in my experience with combo and ayahuasca and iboga majority of the growth comes from putting it's just the same with like sitting in meditation for hours doing an intense workout doing hot yoga fasting when you put your body through extreme situations that you previously thought you would not be able to handle you come out of that a different person it completely fucking changes you and that is why i feel so passionate about these medicines and why i feel they are so healing because you um like you said you sit with it and you you embody the warrior yeah absolutely i mean it's it's that's it. It's, it, it. It asks of us to be courageous. It asks of us that we meet it as warriors. It asks of us that we be active participants in our own healing. And I mean, that's just, it's with all of this stuff. It's, it's the, you know, the, the Wu Wei, the doing, not doing, the balance between effort and ease, which is, a, I truly believe, a lifelong practice. And it's that, it's that balance between surrendering and doing. And and that's what you struck in that moment, Nicole, when you purged that doubt out of the pit of your core was you completely surrendered and you sat up straight and did the work. And it's almost like, it's really interesting. It's almost like surrendering becomes action. Mm. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And I've, I've had similar experiences. I mean, obviously with, with combo, which I've sat with, I'm not sure how many times at this point, um, but my, you know, my last ayahuasca ceremony was, was super profound in that. When was it, your last ayahuasca ceremony? Uh, it was in July um, with the I, the tribe that I sit with. Um, and I, I t- I'm taking a little bit of a break now, um, but the medicine told me I had cancer, which was um, scary as hell. Like I've How learned, did that show up for you? She just told me in my ear, like okay. you, you have cancer. I was like, Oh, Okay. Wow. Um, so, and for the next probably physical time was an hour and a half or so, like went through every single story from dying to surviving to all of it, you know, every single possible story that you can think that you would run through your head if you thought you had cancer went through my head. And, um, you know, I did, for my second cup, I took a, a pretty large dose cause I knew I needed it to purge out whatever this was. And, um, it, it was such a, it was such an act for, I mean, for a long time, I was going through this process for hours of, of really doing my best to purge this thing out. And it was that act of, of surrendering, but fighting at the same time. Um, and the only thing, it was so interesting, and this was a huge lesson I took away from it. And you know what? It doesn't matter whether it was cancer or not. It's that, yeah. that what, you know. It could have been mental cancer, you know. It could have been know? anything. Is that Spiritual, that's the, that's emotional That's the language cancer. she needed to use mm-hmm. to get across the profundity of what was going on inside of me. And I truly believe, I believe it was some sort of like precancerous thing that was going on in me. And I know 
it was from years of stifling my creativity and stifling it largely with drugs and alcohol um, and just not allowing myself mm -hmm. to shine. I mean, the definition of cancer is cells that choose to not cooperate with the whole. And I was a cell of a human being that was yeah. refusing to cooperate with the whole. Um, so the, the biggest lesson I got from that was the only time I got any movement on this thing, which felt like a, just a dark ball in the pit of my stomach was when I found a way to be grateful for it. I would be sitting there like in pain and nothing moving and being like, God damn it. Like scared, mm. legitimately scared. And the only time I, I'd sit up straight and I'd go, you know what? I'm going to take this as an opportunity to dive so deep into my healing path. I'm going to look at all the different herbs, all the modalities. I'm going to Because the first thing that popped into my head when I heard that voice was, holy shit, I haven't finished my book. I'm writing a novel right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck, my novel is not done. And since then, I've been writing my novel like pretty much every day. So and it worked. <laughs> the only thing that got movement was gratitude. And yeah. I would get in gratitude and I'd find ways to be in gratitude. Yeah. And then I'd start to purge a little bit. And a little bit more would come out. And a yeah. little bit more would come out until, for me to tell the rest of the story, it would take a couple more minutes. I'll be brief. But, um, you know, that was the lesson that I took away from it is that it's just, again, it's gratitude. Mm -hmm. It all comes back to gratitude. And that goes into, to tie back into the running theme of um, stories, yeah. is, is that I, I believe that the alchemical agent is gratitude. It's it, that's it. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I, I thought I had cancer, but when I was grateful for like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this to my benefit. Boom. I'd start to purge in storytelling. The alchemical agent is gratitude is like mine, mine the gold and compost the rest. That's it. And that's how mm -hmm. you shift your perspective. You know, I'm almost like I, um, so I told you earlier, I don't know if we were recording or not, but you know, because of my back, the pain that I have, yeah, I, um, I really believe, and I don't know, maybe that's projection on my part, but no, I really believe that it's, it's emotional trauma or anger or something mm -hmm. because I've had situation last year where it crept up on me and then I've had like some sort of, um, just uh letting go moment and then seeing the pain completely disappear mm -hmm. like almost immediately like the next day or something like that um and then um through research online i discovered uh this doctor he's actually a legit doctor a uh, medical doctor his name is dr sarno i don't know if you know him mm -hmm. but um so what he discovered is something called uh, tension mitosis syndrome and what that does is that the body um, tries to distract the mind from deep-seated anger. It's like deep emotions by creating pain or finding a place where an injury happen, happened and then focusing pain um, so that you can't address the root issues. And the way it does that is that it, it has a very mild oxygen deprivation of the muscles and it basically like tenses up the muscles and it creates this like imbalance in your muscles. So um, if you look up Dr. Sarno and look at his book, uh, I think it's called Healing Back, Lower Back Pain or Healing Back Pain. There are like thousands and thousands of people who have given up on everything else. And then they literally just read that book and it's some exercises and they were healed. So wow. there is enough real accounts that, 
at least part of it is true. Um, but, you know, I've read that book and it helped me. Actually, it's it completed, my back pain disappeared for a while and then it came back again, which kind of tells me like I still have some un- unresolved issues, but I want to like step it up a notch. Like I want to try maybe Combonex or, yeah. you know, Ayahuasca or something. I th- I think there's, I have some issues that I haven't really addressed and I'm hoping that, um, uh, because I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with my body. I don't have any like disc issues. I've done all the exams, you know, Western medical stuff. There's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'm ready to explore, you know, other means of discovery, I guess, of, you know, why that pain exists. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I'm not a person that discounts Western medicine. It's got its place. I think it's just a, hel- a healthy merger. Yeah, of the two is is where the balance lies. Um, you know, you're talking a lot about gratitude, and I was talking about just focusing on the breath. And I remember back when, in the beginning stages of me waking up and becoming conscious and growing up, getting my shit together, I would just hear these things, and it just felt so foreign and abstract and. I just always thought, like, what what does that look like? What does it feel like? How how does one experience that? And now I just wish I could give everyone the knowledge I have about truly how fucking simple it is. Like, honestly, just just sitting there and following your breath, just focusing on the feeling of the air going in your nose and out your mouth so that you're not falling into this negative loop and just saying thank you. And like there have been times with ayahuasca where I, I, I really didn't even know what I was saying thank you about. I was just saying thank you. Yeah. Because if I'm saying thank you, I'm not saying something else like, oh, this sucks and oh, this hurts and oh, I feel shitty. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, the key to happiness in life is that fucking simple. Follow your breath and say thank you. Yeah. You know, be grateful, you know, be, it's, it's, it's definitely a huge, a huge practice to be gratitude minded. I mean, you know, in all those travels, I saw enough of the world to know that the very fact that anyone who was born in the United States of America, Super lucky. maybe not anyone, yeah. I'm sure there's some people out there that are living yeah. <laughs> in third world conditions and I don't want to discount yeah. their journey, but yeah. the majority of U.S. citizens have won the human lottery. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, our needs are so exceeded that we have time to make up problems that the rest of the world has never heard of. <laughs> yeah. That is our true. needs are so exceeded that we have like Instagram problems. We yeah. got hashtag <laughs> problems, man, because we have time. Yeah. Because our needs are exceeded. Yeah, our Maslow's uh, permanent so, needs. So <laughs> I'm actually fascinated with the balance of because, yes, that's totally true. And what's true is when you're feeling mental or emotional anguish no matter what it is that's a very real experience yeah and sometimes like i used to take what you're saying and use that as a form of beating myself up Mm -hmm. so like i would feel uh, mental or emotional anguish i would think oh i have nothing i i have nothing to be ungrateful for therefore i feel even worse about myself yeah, feel guilty for yeah. yeah and it just becomes this negative loop so for me these days the practice is living in living in paradox yes i am one of the most blessed people in the entire world 
And at the same time, in this moment, I am experiencing mental anguish. And that's another thing that I think people have a very hard time developing is the ability to live in between two contradicting truths. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you can't, um, I don't like using that term, you. Um, it, I find it in, in my personal practice that a revelation for me has been that I cannot skip right to gratitude. I cannot skip right to finding the gold because it's fake. Mm. Because I, it, it is... the. You're not going to actually believe it. Exactly. It's it, contrast is a very, very, very important thing to experience. Mm-hmm. It, I feel that we are meant to go through these journeys, and what I find is I call it my concentric circles of light theory, and it's a mnemonic that I can't show because you folks aren't looking at me. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially, you know, we start from from this point of of pure light and if you think of it as a circle you just go down and you dip into the darkness and you go through life and eventually you're going to hit some sort of rock bottom however profound or disastrous that may be but then you'll you'll either die or you'll climb out of it Mm. and on the way out you figure out what helped you get out and then you'll hit another peak and then you'll go down again and such is life but the idea is to make the circle smaller and smaller and smaller and just you gain more tools on the way up and you remember the tools and then your recovery time is quicker and quicker and quicker every time because you mine the gold. So I, when I am feeling these, because I don't walk around in a state of bliss every day. I'm no. far from enlightened, you know. I, when, I, when I get into these stories, I do my best to, you know, part of the cage and the key exercise is I dive into it. Like, okay, what am I worried about? Because it's, um, as uh, Dr. David Hawkins, who wrote the book Letting Go, which is incredible, everyone should read it, and it's part of the mechanism of letting go, is that it's not the thoughts, it's the emotion. And one emotion can spark a fractal of thousands of thoughts, literally thousands of thoughts. But if you get down to the emotion and dive into that and follow it all the way down as if it were true. A big one that I've worked on over the past couple of years have been scarcity. And it's like, okay, and and then what? If I don't do this, I'll have less money. And then right. what? And then 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 what? And and as I can as I go down that rabbit hole of like, okay, if this were true, what would that mean? Yep. And staring it right in the face, mm. usually at the end, it's like it's this monster that gets smaller and smaller and smaller mm. and smaller and right. smaller and smaller and smaller until you're just like, well, that's not real. <laughs> that's something <laughs> that real. my mind has right. made up yeah. to distract me. The reptilian brain is fantastic fantastic at keeping itself in business yeah it's fascinating it wants to give itself a job and we live in a society that is constructed upon lack because people that feel good about themselves buy less stuff yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) seriously yeah no no i totally agree with you you know 100 percent. every single advertisement yeah in my opinion, what? on the face of the planet, What's, makes is, you feel like shit. <laughs> it, it's based upon something. It's based upon lack. Yeah, it's based upon showing you what you yeah. don't have. Yeah. And if you feel like, nah, I feel pretty good actually, then guess what? You buy less stuff. Yeah. You know. 
I, I'm usually not a fan of general sweeping statements or black and white statements, but there is an idea that everything stems from either fear or love. And I, I think that I believe that to be true, that if you follow um, everything uh, negative that we're feeling is usually directly related back to a fear or something. Totally. So, so that's like you're saying, you're like you're saying, um, the work becomes a lot quicker. Like, yeah, we're not always in a state of bliss, but we, we, the more we do, the more we grow, the quicker we, we flip the switch from anguish to bliss. And, uh, for me, one of the reasons I'm able to flip over so quickly is because I'm automatically, if I'm feeling anguish, it's, okay, what am I afraid of? Yeah. And that that's a really quick shortcut to getting to the root of the problem. Yeah. Mm. That's what we're learning in nonviolent communication right now. Okay, so let's uh, switch gears and yes. talk about something different. Um, man's group. Uh, yes. Man's council. Um, so, um, other than... Uh, aligning or just feeling that you you belong in that environment and group did you do you believe that um we can actually get something done with this man's group because i um i'm one of these people that um half the time i feel very hopeful and the other half of the time i feel discouraged as to whether men will eventually rise to the occasion and actually be able to change the situation that we're in the entire you know patriarchal mm-hmm. culture that we live in and um i just i i wanted to get your thoughts on that i absolutely we can change it 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. and it's it's about affecting change on a local level and, and local first means within ourselves right. and then within our local brotherhoods and then it goes from there outward you know and i i look at every single man who really it's and the key is consistency you Mm -hmm. gotta with the men's work like you gotta you just gotta keep going for the for the men that keep showing up at men's council the changes that i've seen in them has been as profound or more than changes I've seen in people who keep showing up for plant medicine work or keep showing up. Mm. I can't tell you the number of men who've said that, you know, I did 10 years of talk therapy and this men's council has done more for me in three months than that ever did. Or I've been in AA for 15 years and this men's council has done more for me than that ever did. But it's about the consistency. Mm. Um, So I, I, I absolutely believe it. And we're getting more and more guys. And I think it's about... Every, I look at every single man in that council as, as a prayer or as a, as a, a pebble in the pond of mm. masculinity, you know, and for every man that starts talking differently and conducting themselves differently, they're going to affect the men around them, mm. you know, and, and especially men that have kids and it's it's important, you know, and and then there's men. I want other men to start more men's councils, and I want men to be speaking about this, and yeah. I want men to be writing about this. Like, yeah. the more the more leaders we get in this, the more the more men we get in this who are going to bring this back to 
their communities who are going to talk about it, who are going to write about it, who are going to go yeah. public about it, the better, you know, because I agree, Omar. Yeah, it's yeah. like the, 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 the masculinity, it's like, it's, it's, we need to change so badly. So yeah. badly. Yeah. There's a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to write on your optimism. I, I, I love it. I mean, I, I want to do it. I want everyone that I know to explore it. Um, I think we just live in a very, uh, trying time you know it's definitely showing the contrast of you know what's unhealthy masculinity totally versus what we want or what we wish for the world you know so yeah i don't know is there anything else that you'd like to talk about before we wrap it up i mean i guess just letting people if you're in the san diego area or if you want me to come to you i you know how to find me is you yeah. know the combo website is www.combofrog.com um my the story the story consortium is currently just on facebook you can look up the story consortium on facebook um or you can find me on facebook edward hiller duel and i'm you know doing work all throughout san diego county southern california west coast and leading a lot of retreats uh with combo with storytelling work with men's work um and i'm are there any uh big events coming up that you want to plug uh, we got our Thanksgiving storytelling show oh. coming up next. Uh, oh man, I should know the date on this next <laughs> Monday. It's next Monday. Um, they can go to the Facebook page and yeah, and that the, the theme of that is gratitude. Uh-huh. Um, we've got uh, we got a men's sweat lodge coming up November seventeenth. Um, and look, uh, just I'll have more combo retreats coming up and some more. Oh, and also um spiritual integration circles council work coming up with that that's co-ed and that's just for anyone who is exploring oh my god i remember you were doing this event that i really wanted to go to and i never had the opportunity to but is this the spiritual integration one where you were talking about just sharing stories about like uh psychedelic experiences or spiritual experiences that help promote self-growth totally i mean it's it's not storytelling it's just counsel it's just a talking circle yeah 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 we we started that up again um because there's just a great there's a great need in the community right now for integration work um so we started that up again that's going to be monthly and just i mean if i'm the way i look at it is i'm i'm very much open for for business right now and i i don't mean business necessarily in like the monetary way but i'm I feel mm. I feel in a very very aligned position to be of service, and I'm I've I've stepped into that fully, and I'm I'm here for individuals. I'm here for the community. It, it lights me up. Beautiful. It makes me shine. And and I'm wherever you are. I'm here for you too. <laughs> Where do you do the sweat lodges? Sweat lodges um, are either in Tierra Santa at my teacher's house or we do them up at uh, Emerald Village, which is an intentional community up in Vista. Yeah. Okay. I really, I really want to go to a sweat lodge and I really want to go to the spiritual integration circle. Yeah. I got to keep an eye out for that. Totally. I'll make sure that you get a personal invitation. Yeah. So we'll, uh, in the bio, include links to all this stuff. Sounds good. Thank you so so much. Well, we gotta we gotta ask the question. Oh, that's right. Okay, the question. <laughs> oh, the, the, question. the question. I was told there'd be no homework. What is this? <laughs> so we ask this question to every single one of our guests at sure. the end of each episode. Uh, so funny. Mm-hmm. E- each time we do this, at least one of us forgets uh, about it. Oh, and the question. The, the other. <laughs> so, so I don't tell you about this beforehand because I don't want you to like 
premeditate on it. I just want you to. (laughs) (laughs) Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for those who don't know that inside joke. Um, So, yeah, I just want people to go with the first thing that comes to their mind. Um, what uh, What is one thing you wish every human being on the planet knew right now? You're not alone. Oh, that was quick. You're not alone. I like it. Especially, uh, yeah, knowing your background, that totally makes sense. You're not alone. And if I could pick the the other thing, this too shall pass. Oh, yeah. Nice. Totally. This too shall pass. Beautiful words of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Good question, guys. I love it. Thank you so much, Edward, for coming and talking with us. Thanks for having me. Uh, This was fun. Yeah, I love every time we have this. It's it's a blast. Yeah, super fun. And uh, we look forward to, uh, yeah, I want to see uh, more of the things that you're doing. I'll be visiting. I'm sure Nicole, too. Um, we want to tell all our friends about all the cool stuff that you're doing, yep. too. So we'll be sharing that podcast. Well, thank you guys. Much obliged. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye.